Hi and welcome to the Journalism Salute. I'm Mark Simon. In each episode, we'll talk to or about an interesting person or organization related to journalism. The intent is to show that journalists are not the enemy of the people. Thank you for listening. Javeria Salman is a digital news producer at the Heckinger Report, which covers innovation and inequality in education. Her beat, The Future of Learning in Kindergarten through 12th Grade, and her work is most often seen in a newsletter that comes out every two weeks. She's based in New York City. Javeria, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. I'm excited to be here. So the very first question is probably the easiest one of these. What's your journalism origin story? Okay, so that one kind of goes back a little bit. I moved to the United States when I was seven years old. From? From Pakistan. And we had been around a, a little bit in the Middle East as well. I grew up a, a little bit in, uh, in Kuwait and spent some time in Qatar as well. Or sorry, Muscat. And so I was in, in some of those places. And when I moved to the U.S., one of the only ways, even at seven years old, like one of the only ways my family connected with news overseas or found out about what was going on in Pakistan and stuff, my dad was always reading like online or the newspapers because that was his way of finding out news. And when I moved here, one of the ways that I sort of learned how to speak English was I got really, I just loved learning new things. And I used to just find newspapers very interesting. My, I have memories of my grandmothers always reading newspapers in Pakistan. And so when I came here, that was one of the fascinating things. I just love newspapers. And so um, I think that was sort of my journalism origin story. I learned how to read and I'll learn about America through um, newspapers. So. That's awesome. I, I've started reading the newspaper when I was six, so I can I can relate to what you're talking about. Was there something in your upbringing that would have lent itself to either telling stories or to education reporting? Um, so education reporting, I kind of fell into after gra- college graduation, but telling stories, I think my my grandfather. Both my great my great grandfather and my grandfather were both sort of storytellers, and both on my my dad's side and my mom's side. And my grandfather loved, used to love traveling, and I never got to meet both, either of my grandfathers. They both passed away before I was born. But the stories that I heard from my grandmothers about who they were, and my great grandfather's notebook of filled with different stories, I think maybe that's where I get some of my love for writing and like traveling especially news because my, like I mentioned, both my grandmothers used to love reading newspapers. And then I think, and maybe it's also a part of living in so many different places. We moved around, after we moved to America, we moved around every two years. So every two years we would move to a different city because of my dad's job. And so even just coming to America, I'd already lived in three other countries. So I think maybe just the traveling and meeting new people I just love telling stories and finding new stories to tell and sort of especially being from a marginalized community, wanting to share stories of my people and my community with other people that you didn't normally see in TV or news. Was there an instance maybe early in your childhood or as you were growing up where you were maybe able to potentially diffuse something with someone? related to the ability to tell a story about your upbringing? Yeah, I think after 9-11, I do remember, I think that I was in California. I was only, I think it was in fourth grade, fourth or fifth grade when 9-11 happened. So it was quite early. But 
being, I think, especially, you know, a Muslim girl that was going to school and it was in a pretty liberal area. Like we were in California and Southern California, but I do remember instances of racism, even at that time and immediately afterwards. And one of the ways I, I, I can specifically remember talking to people like, well, that's not, that's not what Islam says. That's not what our religion teaches us. And I think being able to connect with people and having lived in so many different places and my parents, the way that my parents had always brought us up was, you know, Islam is sort of, our religion is sort of like a powerful, like, you know, way to express ourselves. And it gives us the ability to talk to people and share the beauty of our religion. And so I always was very passionate about both my religion and telling stories accurately and conveying that to people. And I think, especially after 9-11, it allowed me to really like sort of conquer that feel and kind of be strong enough to learn about my religion and what it says, and then being able to convey that to people and tell them in a way that they would understand and not just like, hey, no, this is not what it is, but actually like sort of empathetically, like, okay, I understand that you might have some misconceptions. This is what it really says and what we really believe. Now, you went to college in the South. You went to East Carolina University, so that must have been an interesting experience. And your your journalism career, from, uh, as far as I can tell, is, is largely from there to Heckinger. What was your college media experience like? Um, yeah, so I wasn't planning on going to college in the South. I, it was, I did community college in, North, uh, in New Jersey, and my family ended up moving to North Carolina, and I was really against I was like nope not going to see you but I kind of just ended up there and I had taken some time off and I remember when I started at ECU it was already sort of it was uh, right before Trump's presidency and it was very interesting time to be in North Carolina and it was my first time being exposed to I, I had faced racism and different forms of discrimination growing up, but uh, I don't think I experienced it as viscerally as I did in North Carolina. Right after we moved, uh, right before I started actually college and I had taken a semester off and we had had an incident happen in our house where somebody, you know, broke our mailbox and wrote, you know, F-U terrorists and threw it through our car window. And that was sort of like a wake up cause like, oh, wait a minute, we're not you know, in New Jersey or California or Michigan anymore. We're in, you know, North Carolina. And so I think when I started ECU and I, the first week of my college experience, I kind of found out about the newspaper tryouts and I didn't know that ECU had a newspaper. And I remember going and trying out and getting accepted. And that was sort of just immediately, it was like, in that entire place, it was like, okay, I finally found like a little small, tiny piece of home that I would could feel comfortable. And I had always just been so passionate about journalism all throughout my high school career, sort of had been involved with the newspaper and was very excited to finally, you know, work as like a, you know, college journalist. And we were treated sort of like our newspaper was an independent college newspaper and our city newspaper the one in Greenville, North Carolina, was fairly small, didn't have a lot of reporters. And so we we didn't just cover the school, school, but we ended up covering a lot of the town itself. And my I think my college experience 
was sort of my journalism experience at the university. But most of my time was spent in this little, our newsroom was located downtown in the city, in downtown Greenville and this little small building across from the courthouse. And we spent pretty much every day, all day there. And I, I think a lot of my, my sort of what I learned and how to be a journalist and what it takes, especially in the South, uh, that I kind of learned from there and dealing with the community there. Now, I read your farewell article. You talked about pushing through fear. And I imagine that some of that relates to dealing with, with the people within the community. But what about, I'm curious, what about journalism fear and kind of elevating and ascending as a journalist? Yeah, I think, and I, I think I know which article you're talking about. I remember I wrote that article as I was leaving ECU. And one, I think one of the things, especially I learned about overcoming fear within just being a journalist and being a student at that time, when I, I had just been a reporter for a semester at East Carolinian and my second semester, our managing editor approached me and asked me if I'd be willing to take on being the news editor that summer. And I was just like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. Like, this is such a big responsibility. And I, I, I was older than most of the students there because I, I had taken a, a year or two off and I was coming back from, so I was older than most of my peers. And so maybe that was one of the reasons why they thought I could take that responsibility. But I was just, I felt so new to just being a reporter. I was like, hey, I've only been covering, you know, covering news in the city as a sort of, I guess you could say, professional journalist for only a semester. And now I'm being thrown into this sort of editor position. Um, but my editor was just like, if you say no right now, then you're sort of going to, you're always going to wonder what if, you know, like, we think you can do this. You, ju- you should just step up and, hey, it's the summer. There's going to be less stories. There's going to be less pressure, kind of just see how it goes. I was like, okay, I'll do it. And it that summer sort of changed the entire course of ECU for me. And being a journalist, it like solidified what I wanted to do and why I wanted to do this. Cause I just, I got a chance to explore so many different stories. I wasn't just covering news, but I was helping the arts editor cover stories. I was helping sports editors cover stories. And it was just such a cool experience of just like really learning the ins and outs of what it takes to put a paper together. Like we spent a lot of nights that summer designing the layout for the newspaper and what a print production looks like. And okay, now we have to, we were also experimenting at that time with, you know, putting together our online edition and making it look nice online and all of those things. And so really solidified for me that. And then I think the other thing when I was talking about fear, my senior year of college when I was covering ECU, it was during the 2016 election. And we had several presidential candidates visit ECU at the time, I think, maybe because it was of the location in North Carolina where we were. We, we used to get a lot of candidates and Trump former President Donald Trump, he made several visits to our community. And the his last rally prior to the election was actually in CU. And I remember, you know, calling up my parents and I'm like, well, I am the news editor. I have to go. I'm taking a team of reporters and going. And I was the only, my, my photo editor and I were the only two people of students of color 
that were going to cover this event. And I was, I think I was a little, I was nervous, but I, I was a little scared as well, I'll be honest. And I think it was because I, I'd had some experiences covering, you know, very rural conservative communities, having been uh, at ECU for about two, two and a half years at that point. But that was sort of like, can I actually do this? Like, what does it take? Like, what's going to happen? And then I, you know, I was constantly getting phone calls from my parents are like, maybe you shouldn't go. You're going to be the only one. And we've known what, like, obviously we'd heard reports at that time of like what was happening at some of the other rallies, North Carolina. And, and so I, yeah, I was a little scared, but I, I remember speaking with my advisor and my mentor at the, you know, at the newspaper and she was, the both of them were like, it'll be an experience for you, but we're not going to tell you if you like, we're not telling, going to tell you, you have to go. But if it's, if something, you know, in journalism, you're going to times where it's not, it's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to be hard. And, but that's kind of what, you know, we do. And, and I was like, yeah, and I, I do want to be there. I want them to see a Muslim woman journalist and, you know, covering the story objectively and reporting on it that I'm not scared to be in this space. And I think that was, that was a really unique experience. I, cause I, I don't only wear the hijab. I also wear the, the, the burqa, the abaya, the long dress. And so I immediately stand out, not just because of the hijab, but also because of the way I dress. And I do remember walking into that rally, into the media pit, and it was a very, very interesting experience. I got my picture taken from people who were like, oh my God, there's one of them, there's a Muslim. And so that was the sort of, I was just like, this is so interesting, but just, you know, keeping a straight face and sort of not responding to those. And I think that was, you know, those are some of the moments where it's like, yeah, I'm scared, but I'm going to do this because I love this job. That's great that you were able to power through it. So let's go from there to your current job, which is at the Heckinger Report. Explain what the Heckinger Report is and what your role is with them. Sure. So the Heckinger Report, we're a nonprofit news outlet based out of New York City. We cover education. So we're one subject sort of newsroom. We cover national education issues, education policy, and our focus has always been covering inequality in education and innovation in education. And so we, you know, tend to do a lot. We have a lot of investigative work, but we also do, you know, we don't cover breaking news, even if it's education related. We tend to do more long form journalism. And so sometimes our stories, we can spend six months to a year reporting a story. And other times reporters like myself, who are newsletter writers, we cover, we do bi-weekly newsletters. And so I cover the future of learning, which is basically the intersection of education at the intersection of technology and innovation. And so that's sort of my beat. It's such a cool beat to be able to cover. Just looking at some of the things that you've done recently, you wrote about a dance teacher who created a program to educate Black girls about Black women in history. You wrote about Mm -hmm. the idea of blurring the last two years of high school and the first two years of college to create a more direct line to well-paying jobs. And you wrote about how the city of Oakland, California bridged the digital divide by getting computers and access to internet to as many students as possible. What characterizes the kinds of stories that you write about? 
I, I think the best way to describe it is when I took over the future of learning newsletter, my, both my predecessors had done such an amazing job of sort of what they wanted to cover in the future of learning. And I think the future of learning, especially when I took, I took over right as COVID started in the first couple of months of COVID. And, you know, at that point, everything sort of was like, we're trying everything new. Education is constantly changing. And my when I when I took it over, I wanted to be able to cover what the future what the future of education looks like, but through a lens of um, covering it from communities that often get don't get as much coverage and students that are underserved in those communities. And so I wanted to tell stories about Black and Brown students and Indigenous students and you know student rural students and even urban students. You know stories of students like myself that I, you know, sometimes found hard to, you know, stories about students like me and some of the struggles that I went through as a, you know, English learner student in the U.S. and an immigrant student in the U.S. and a student that maybe, you know, was underserved. And so I wanted to tell stories that people could connect to and find interesting and just how education was changing to serve those students. You mentioned kind of what, what would we would essentially describe as your empathy. How has your empathy, is there a, a story on which your empathy in understanding a situation played a good role? Yeah, I think, trying to think, I def, I, early on during COVID, I reported on a story of a, a Latino mother who started a, she started a program in Las Vegas. She, cause she was, she had a Facebook group that she was constantly talking to with other parents in the district who didn't they didn't, they maybe didn't speak English and their students or their kids were, didn't have devices at that time. They didn't have laptops. It was right at the start of COVID. And so one of my coworkers had happened to talk to this mother while he was on a reporting trip. And he was like, Jerry, I think this might be a story worth telling, especially because it falls into very much the future of learning beat. And so I reached out to her and I remember speaking with her and just so much of what she was telling me of like, we're going through this crisis, but these parents don't speak English or these parents are completely new to this community or to this country and don't know where to go to get these resources. And the schools are closed and the, and the schools are already dealing with so much that they are mi maybe missing parents that they could reach out to. I remember speaking to her and just thinking about my own parents. And I was, you know, I'm a first generation student here and my parents and the struggles that they went through and how I, you know, I sort of had to learn everything on my own and, or reach out to friends, parents who kind of grew up here to know what was going on in the education system. And so I think sometimes telling those stories, I'm able to understand some of the struggles that um, parents and, you know, low-income parents, uh, parents who are immigrants, um, students that are immigrants, what they're going through, because I went through that. I went through that same process and some of those same struggles. And so I feel like I can understand their struggles when, where they're coming from when I'm reporting those stories. And I think I, it also gives me a perspective that maybe other journalists who didn't grow up in that same sort of experience that I did, I get a, you know, a different window into that education reporting world. You mentioned a colleague helping you with a story idea there, but how do you come up with most of your story ideas? Most of my story ideas, we, we, I tend to workshop with our Heckinger is pretty, a sm, fairly small staff. And so we are very, 
we, we do tend to workshop a lot of story ideas together. And so oftentimes, you know, I'll be speaking to various coworkers and we, during our budget meetings, will sort of throw ideas back and forth and come up that way. And other times I tend to keep up, especially with the future of learning, it's just a specific beat. I, I subscribe to a lot of newsletters, industry newsletters and industry, you know, kind of keep up with tabs and what's going on in the future of learning sort of be. And if there's something that comes across that seems like, oh, this could potentially be interesting, even if it's very small at the time, if it's a small program or a small, like sort of sometimes, you know, I'll read a report that a news organization or sorry, a, a foundation or nonprofit released and there'll be some interesting data point in there that I can pull out and be like, this is worth looking into and kind of um, paying attention to. And I try to talk to a lot of educators and kind of keep up with some of the different trends and what's happening in the future of, you know, and in the education innovation world. You mentioned that you've kind of fell into the beat. One thing to just take a step back on is how did you get the job? So after, after graduation, after I graduated college, there was about eight to nine months where I was submitting like job applications all across the country, even like all the way out in Alaska. I was just like, I need a job. And I was, you know, sending out applications to all these different outlets and I just wasn't getting a response. And I was at the, I think the week I heard about Heckinger, the Heckinger job opening, I had pretty much decided that I was going to go back to school and maybe pursue a different sort of career path. I just didn't know what to, I had sort of gotten to this point where I was like, is this maybe not the right career? I've been applying to all these places, not hearing back. And I, that week I heard from a former advisor, uh, he was a director of our student media at, at the university. And he'd re- since retired and he reached out to me and said, Hey, I have a job opportunity for you. I'm not sure if it's the right fit. Cause I know you, it's not maybe something you want to do, but it well, might help you get your foot in the door. And he said he had a former student who was now working at the Heckinger report. And he said, it's this news outlet that covers education. And I was just like, I was really interested. I'd always wanted to cover political affairs and uh, foreign policy and sort of politics in general and was had no had no idea how to write about education stories. The only time I'd covered education was when I was covering higher ed and at ECU. And I was just like, okay. And he was like, and I'll give you a, a warning. It's not a reporter position. It's a social media producer. And so it was like completely something that I had not trained for, not something I was interested in. I wouldn't be reporting or writing, but he was like, it could help you get your foot in the door. And so he connected me with this former student of his who she's actually my, my supervisor now, Nicole Doba, who's our social art, Heckinger's engagement editor. And she was like, I talked to her before and she's like, this is a great opportunity sort of for you to get your foot in the door. You'll be helping us with our newsletters and managing our social media accounts and so that was kind of my I kind of ended up there and I thankfully got the job I you know flew out to New York and in the middle of winter and interviewed for the position I was very excited and I spoke about my student media experience and some of my volunteer experience that I've had and didn't have a lot to go on but thankfully they you know 
I guess they maybe saw potential or something, but they hired me for that the position. And I was a social media producer for two years at Heckinger. And then I'm still, I still manage all our social media accounts and do that. And so I kind of have a twofold job where I'm doing social media and reporting at the same time. Gotcha. How have you evolved as a reporter? I definitely, I think going from a college journalist to a professional journalist was a very learning opportunity, especially sort of, I think, because going back to reporting during COVID when everything was online and our reporting was online and we couldn't be on the ground doing reporting, which was most of my experience. I think that really helped me kind of to, okay, hey, we're online, we're on Zoom. How do I tell stories that are impactful, that help, you know, that connect to people? And how do I connect to my sources? And how do I, you know, find stories and tell stories in a way that's still interesting? And how do I report online? And so all of that, I think really the last two years have really helped me grow as a reporter. I, I think I went from somebody who was kind of scared to write and report, like be a little bit more creative in my writing and still be able to, I'd always, I think, seen news as like, it's just straightforward news. But one thing that I, Heckinger has really helped me grow and evolve sort of is how do I tell my stories in a way? How do I report in a way that's really interesting we call it like the heckinger way and really like how do i tell long form stories that are impactful and interesting and nar- like narrative reporting i had no experience with that and so that's something i think i've hopefully learned to do better and i'm still learning i'm still growing i've only been you know reporting at heckinger for about a year now so it's interesting experience well it's it's good to get the perspective of someone for whom this is also new and fresh certainly i am curious about you mentioned how you're dressed when you do your your stories has anyone responded positively to that there's there's been definitely i mean since i started covering the last you know year or so i've only uh, done a few stories in person a few reporting trips in person but most of i think one one really stands out to me when i was a reporter in north carolina I, i think people as soon as they would see me i think they would be very surprised and and then I, but, you know, I would not really respond to some of the surprise. And I think a lot of people would think that I was like timid or something when I, when they first spoke to me and then I would start reporting and, or I start asking questions and they would open up and it was like, that all kind of fell away. And I think that's kind of, I I take that to be a little, I guess, positive. I have spoken to other Muslim girls, younger girls who, who think it's really interesting and really cool that just because the way they dress or the way they look, it doesn't stop them from going into this field. So I think most of my positive experience, maybe from my own communities, like they, they think it's cool that, you know, just because you're wearing a hijab and an abaya, it's not going to stop you from sort of pursuing something you love. You're also, you're relatively young. How do you view the issues that journalists are most frequently dealing with now on things like public distrust and the struggling business model? And you're you're at a nonprofit. How do you how do you view those things? Yeah, I think that's a that's an interesting question. I definitely, you know, like you mentioned, I am in a nonprofit, and I think when I when I heard when I heard about nonprofit newsroom, I honestly didn't know that much about nonprofit news. And I'm now I'm so thankful that I'm kind of in nonprofit news. I've I have friends who've gotten laid off at like a moment's notice, and it's just 
kind of scary when you're going into that industry and you're in that industry to, to know that, you know, there's so many of our colleagues who are getting laid off at some of the other outlets. And I, I think our editors and our, our team has done a really good job of making sure that no one's sort of, that we're still kind of safe and we're, you know, working and able to have jobs. And so I think the nonprofit news model is, is interesting. And I, I do believe there's a lot of growth there and there's a lot of future there. And so hopefully that's something that we get to continue doing. And the mistrust part, I think that kind of comes with our societies. Our society is just so polarized. And I think that kind of comes, like, I think it, it, it falls on us as well to um, make sure that we tell stories accurately and we we build connections with communities that maybe are underserved or communities that don't positively get represented. I think as a Muslim uh, reporter, that's still one thing I struggle with because there's a lot of, I think a lot of the Muslim community still struggles to get positively represented in the news media. And a lot of times when I'll have conversations with friends or community members, they still don't view American media as something that's honest or open to covering them accurately. And so that is a constant struggle that even I deal with. And I get questions from friends and community members who are like, you're part of the media. Why are you like, you should be doing this or you should be doing this or why isn't the news covering this? And it's constantly a sort of a struggle for myself too. And I, I, I think that there's still a lot of room for, I think there's a lot of room for news media, American news media to kind of grow and make sure that we build trust with communities that we've sort of misrepresented and miscovered in the past. And I think that it, it, it falls on not just reporters themselves, but I think it also fa- falls on leaders of news organizations to make sure that we're hiring reporters that come from those communities and that so that we can accurately cover those communities. And the Heckinger Report certainly doing that with you. Do you have a long-term vision for what you'd like to do in your career? I... I'd love to be a full, like, just tell stories and be a reporter. I'm, I'm hoping to tell, like, I, I, I don't know if that maybe the future, I don't know if I'll stay education reporter forever. But one thing I've learned being an education reporter is while I didn't see myself to be an education reporter, I'm so glad I fell into this beat. And the things that I've learned is that you know, education is sort of at the center of everything, regardless of which story you can pick up any beat, any story. And there is some education has a thread that runs through all of these other beats. And so I think education is one of the most, if not the most important beat at the moment right now. And so I would love to continue staying to be an education reporter and continue to tell stories of students across the country and kind of what's the what's to come. The intermix of politics and education, certainly yeah. very much in the news these days. Yes. Uh, so the, the last question is, uh, the podcast is called The Journalism Salute. We salute you and the other members of the Heckinger Report for their good work. And we ask oh, you to yes. pay it forward. Is there a journalist or journalism organization that you're not associated with that you would like to salute for their good work? Yeah, um, I think I, so there's a lot of journalists that I love and adore and their work uh, respect so much but I think as a Muslim woman I have to I think give a shout out to a fellow Muslim journalist who 
has inspired me a lot and as somebody who I looked up to before I entered the field and I remember talking to her several times, Rueda Abdulaziz is HuffPost. She covers Islamophobia and Muslim communities across the country and she's done such an incredible job of telling these stories and I think she's inspired so many young Muslim women to kind of go into this field and not take, you know, sorry to say crap from people, but it, it tells stories accurately and tell stories in a way that people connect with. And so I would love to salute her for inspiring me. And then one other news outlet I would love to, it's maybe not a mainstream outlet, but it's one outlet that I go to, to get stories about stories that I don't see in American media, Middle East Eye, and some of the, they're an online nonprofit news outlet based out of the Middle East, but they cover news about what's going on in parts of the world where maybe we don't get to accurately report on. And so that's one I think they, the work that they're doing is amazing and really important, especially for immigrants like myself who maybe don't get to see our stories or especially report, most of the reporters are uh, Muslim reporters or you know reporters of color. And so I'd like to salute them too for the work that they've done. Uh, Javeria Salman, thank you for taking the time to join us. Best of luck in your future. We'll be keeping tabs. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for listening to the Journalism Salute. Please let us know what you think of the show. You can find us on Twitter at JournalismPod, and you can email us at JournalismSalute at gmail.com.